You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on 106.7 The Fan. We welcome in our Richmond audience for the first time today. We're taking you up to 6 in Richmond, and we are on until 6.30 on 106.7, the flagship all over D.C. and the DMV. It is time, as I promised, to scout the opponent. Let's learn about the Cleveland Browns. And to help us do that, Nick Wilson, who does what I do. He is the afternoon drive host on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. Nick, great to talk to you again, brother. What are the Browns? Bad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they're just they're a team of, of really uh, great individual talents, but it's an organization that is not a good organization. And for whatever reason, they never came together this year. And all I've heard all year, Grant, is excuses. Um, not reasons, not valid reasons, but excuses. And to say that they are a disappointment at 6-9 and nine would be a massive understatement because they're not 6-9 and nine because Jacoby Brissett started 11 games. They're 6-9 and nine because Kevin Stefanski kept around his crappy defensive coordinator for another year. They're 6-9 and nine because they got a couple fraudulent leaders on the defensive side of the ball. And they're 6-9, and nine, quite frankly, because Jimmy Haslam, and he goes all the way to the top, uh, Jimmy Haslam still has no idea how to run an organization or hire the right people and empower them to run an organization the right way. The go oh, that sounds so familiar. I mean, that is just the book that we have been reading here. We may have even written that book. I'm not sure. But I, I always like talking to hosts like yourself who, who does what we do. You're the afternoon drive host in Cleveland. But Browns Media, because it's one of the few fan bases, it's one of the few media cores that can relate to the nonsense that we have mostly dealt with here without break for about 25 years with Dan Snyder. I swear, man, like I've become like a I've become like a secondary DC fan because and specifically the commanders, because like right now, like I was talking some uh, to somebody the other day on air and they're like, where do you want to see Derek Carr at? And I was like, man, I'd love to see him with with Ron Rivera in in DC. I think he'd be the best quarterback Ron has had. And I was like, and, and I think Ron and the adults in Washington deserve that. And they, like, scoffed, and they made Dan Snyder jokes. And, like, I don't think you understand. Ron and, and the, the, the team that you guys have in place right now, the, the power structure, they're actually somewhat succeeding, if we can call it that, in spite of Dan Snyder. I, I don't know that there's a greater leadership job being done 
that they aren't a one-win team every single year with that jabroni they got atop the mass in uh, BC for at least a couple more weeks longer. Uh, it is. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, we're getting some insight on the Browns from Nick Wilson, who joins us here in GND. We always like catching up with him when we can. All right, so let, let's get into the Deshaun Watson situation, and, and we'll extrapolate it out to some other areas. But uh, let's start at the, the head of the snake here. So has the fan base taken to him? Have they warmed to him? Uh, is there a faction of people that are still mad that he exists as a Brown? Like, where are we with that? Yeah, I think and some of this is the wake of the Baker Mayfield mess that the Browns left themselves and how they moved on from him and how they treated Baker. But, yeah, I, I think Cleveland is still very much uh, split on Deshaun Watson. And I think, I mean, I'm sure if anybody watched the Bomani Jones hit piece on Cleveland where he only interviewed drunk, stupid people at the Muni lot about Deshaun Watson and only found people who were uh, pro Deshaun Watson, which made it look like all of Cleveland is just embracing this guy. Uh, that's not correct. There's a vocal minority who want us to just talk about football and just talk about Deshaun Watson. There is a vocal minority who it does not matter what Deshaun Watson does. They will not support this team until Deshaun Watson is no longer the quarterback. And then I think most people are where I'm at. I'm in the middle. Right? I have no allegiance towards Deshaun. I know that once upon a time, he was one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I haven't seen that yet. And I'm waiting for a football reason to not feel so slimy about rooting for the Browns, despite the fact that I grew up rooting for the Browns. So I think, I think most like normal-minded Clevelanders are somewhere in the middle or, or, or just flat-out anti-Deshaun. But you're not going to know that if you follow anybody in the national media who just is taking the Deshaun stuff as a means to just bash Cleveland over the head because that's what it means. Yeah, yeah. Cleveland, Cleveland needs a little bit more poking and prodding by outsiders who look down at us. That's exactly. I don't think we've had enough uh, mistakes by the lake jokes. Let's go ahead and throw a couple more in there. <laughs> yeah, that, they they were getting too much positivity for a few months. So let's uh, let's beat them up about Watson. He was really bad this past week, 135 yards, 15 of 31 in a pick. But that was weather-related to an extent. But he has struggled. I mean, is it as ugly as the numbers to this point with his rust? Um, um, no, I, I don't think it is. I think, I think he was – I thought he was really good against Baltimore, and I thought they kind of clipped his wings against Baltimore. And, that, and they used weather as an excuse – only to a week later, in a lot worse weather, have the guys up 31 times in Gale Force wins. But, like, he had David Njoku for the game-winning touchdown over the middle, and Njoku let it sail through his hands. Uh, a, a play before. He had a first down for, I think it was second and long for, I think it was Amari Cooper, sailed through his hands. He had a touchdown in the end zone, Amari Cooper wide open in, I think, the second quarter. And Amari slept and fell on his ass. So I think his numbers against Washington were a little bit uh, decimated by, by like three or four really god-awful drops. That being said, he's been bad, and he was, he was unplayable against Houston. I mean, just like we're talking Deshaun Kaiser bad, not Deshaun Watson bad. <laughs> and, you know, and then he came out against Cincy, and you could see progression. He still wasn't enough to win that game, but there was progression. The last two games, um, 
I don't. I, I think there has been progression. You just haven't seen it on in the box score. And so I think people are starting to get a little bit concerned here. As a matter of fact, we're going to be talking today about would you do the Deshaun deal all over again? Like if, if the same circumstances present itself, if you could null and void this deal, would you do it? And I think a lot of people are leaning towards that if he doesn't do something in the next two games, man, it's going to put a lot of pressure on 2023 that that dude goes out there and from week one from the rip looks like a franchise quarterback. Because the longer you put it off, the more tension there's going to be in Cleveland about Deshaun. Oh, no doubt. He's Nick Wilson. I'm Grant Paulson. You're listening to The Fan. Yeah, look, the the contract they gave him, Nick, unprecedented in scope, fully guaranteed, not to mention the compensation in the deal that you gave up to acquire him. If he doesn't play really well, it's a disaster of epic proportions, the likes of which we really haven't seen. I'm not ready to go there yet. I expected rust. I thought that maybe the end of this season would be about positioning him to be better next year, almost like someone coming back from an injury. And so I'm kind of waiting until next September before I make any major judgments. How about the offensive line? I wonder about them because, you know this, Washington's got as good a defensive front as there is. Chase Young is back, played pretty well last week in his first game back. But Montez Sweat's an alternate for the Pro Bowl at the other end. Their two defensive tackles are the best inside tandem in the league, and Allen and Payne. Allen and Payne both playing at all pro-type levels. Is this a line that can be had from a pass-rushing standpoint? Yes. Um, the Browns have a couple guys who, who everybody knows are, are, are ass-kickers and name-takers. Jack Conklin, Wyatt Teller, Joe Batonio's. Those three guys are bad, bad men. The problem is the right side of their line, Conklin and, uh, and, and Teller have been hurt this year, and they've been playing through injury here down the stretch. So, you know, you add to it Ethan Poshik up the middle, who was a cast-off from Seattle. He's been pretty good. Um, Jedrick Wills has been a complete disappointment, the former 10th pick in the draft. He might not even play James Hudson, the former fourth-rounder out of Cincinnati. He might actually uh, suit up at left tackle. Uh, but my big problem with the Browns' offensive line is they've had some stretches where they've played good football, but they've never, like, the, the two years prior. And last year, you know, they had some issues. J.C. Treader was banged up, kind of the end of his career, all this kind of stuff. Anyways, my biggest part, those first two years of Kevin Stefanski with Bill Callahan, a guy you guys know well, they were ass-kickers and name-takers. They might not win on the block, but you're going to feel some pain and you're going to feel sorry that you dared make a play on that offensive line. This year, because of those injuries, because Teller and Conklin are a step behind, um, man, it, they, they just feel a lot more finesse. And that finesse, yeah, I look at I look at Payne and I look at uh, all the beast, all the beasts you guys have. And I think as long as is Washington plays physical up front, this is it, it's uh, one. I think it's going to be easier to shut down Nick Chubb because he's been been pretty rough over the last like six weeks he's not been himself and a lot of that starts with the o-line and so i feel like this is going to be a game where sean watson's gonna have to move around a lot and it feels like this game it might come down to a deshaun watson versus uh carson wentz a sling off here because i think your defensive line is should uh, if if recent play or any indication you should have your way with this Browns defensive line because they don't do well against physical defensive fronts. So I'm interested in what you just said about Chubb. Last couple of weeks he's had 92 and 99 yards, which for him, you know, is is not 
something to write home about. He's been sub five yards per carry dating all the way back to week 10. And the average is almost five for the season. So what are you seeing? Cause there's a 19 yard game in here against Buffalo. There's a 60 yard game against the dolphins. You're right. 14 for 34 against the Bengals. What's what's going on? Well, part of this is you've got a head coach, but no, no, you've got an organization who just wants to throw the friggin' ball. It's just who they are. And it doesn't matter that they have a generational running back behind uh, behind the, them. It doesn't matter, right? Even with Jacoby Brissett, like uh, you went out against uh, the Bills, and with Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback, you were just like, you know, what we should do we should throw the ball thirty five times here <laughs> in Buffalo in inclement weather. Let's let's go ahead and do that. And so some of this is just this is an organization that wants to win the way it wants to win. The Browns would rather lose their way then win anything other than their way. And their process is more important. And so I think, you know, you get a big back like Nick Chubb. He just needs consistent touches. And he needs consistent looks. And he just feed the man. And not only have they not fed him, they haven't fed Kareem Hunt consistently the last seven weeks. And they would say, well, we're playing for behind. And that also is partly true. It's not the whole reason. They are just... I think you've got an organization that is a little bit in desperation mode, and they forgot what got them here, right? What, what's the best cure for a quarterback that's got a lot of talent but that's struggling? Run the damn ball. What's the best cure for having a running back – sorry, having a backup quarterback on the field? Run your elite running back, and by the way, his elite backup. And the Browns haven't done that, and a lot of it is this organization and their pride – in their uh, convoluted process. 92.3 The Fan Afternoon Drive. Nick Wilson, and you can follow him on Twitter, uh, at Nick Wilson says, if you want some intel going into this matchup. What's interesting about that, too, is their lack of weapons in the passing game. I mean, occasionally, and Joku looks like a beast, but it's basically Amari Cooper and some inconsistency at wide receiver. Uh, let's let's go to the defensive side of the ball because that's where I have more questions. The commander's concern, I think, coming into this game is protecting Carson Wentz. He was too easy to sack. He holds the ball too long. And I know Miles Garrett is a world eater. What else you got up front I need to worry about here? Uh, nope, that's about it. Um, they the, the interior has been really god-awful this year. Um, they've had some glimpses from Perrion Winfrey. Jordan Elliott's had a couple of moments. But, like, they have been non-existent uh, up the middle or inconsistent or non-existent up the middle. Uh, Jadavion Clowney, who's in the concussion protocol, um, has just been bad. He's just been a high-paid assassin that hasn't done diddly squat. It's been the complete opposite of two years ago with Jadavion. Um, Alex Wright is a big, big kid, 6'7", 290 pounds out of UAB. He's been pretty stout against the run, but he can get picked on pretty easily because he shouldn't be out there. He should be your third edge rusher. He shouldn't be your second edge rusher. So you add that to the fact they've had four different Mike linebackers, now, I'm going to tell you right now, Ron, if Riverboat is listening, and I, I know Riverboat from Carolina, you will. I, I love the human being that is Ron Rivera as much as anyone can love Ron Rivera. Uh, and I say that to say, if you guys are listening, if the Washington commanders are listening, run the ball. Literally, if you want to protect Carson Wentz, run the ball. Because the Browns defense cannot stop you. And every team that they've lost to, or sorry, every team they beat over the last eight weeks has at some point stopped running the ball. Tampa Bay had a huge lead 
And they were just running. The Browns could not stop them. And Todd Bowles looked at Brian, uh, Byron Leftwich and was like, hey, should we stop running the ball? And they did, and they lost the game. Uh, Baltimore, in the fourth quarter, they're only down 10 points in the fourth quarter, completely abandoned the run game, and Tyler Huntley got completely exposed. Every, the Saints, literally a dome team, Grant, came into Cleveland in Arctic temperatures <laughs> and, and beat the Browns at the own way that Cleveland's supposed to play running the ball. So run the ball. That'll give some protection to Carson Wentz, and you guys should be able to coast to a win because the Browns, again, defensively, they're too stubborn to try and adjust to their lack of talent up the middle. Yeah, and that lack of talent's pretty obvious when you watch them from a front seven standpoint. The back end, though, they got players. I mean, they have invested, right? Delpit was a second-round pick. They traded for John Johnson. Newsom's a first-round pick. I think they drafted Emerson in the third round. Obviously, they have a top-five pick in Denzel Ward back there when he's healthy. How are they not better in the secondary? Um, they've They've started to put it together. I actually think they're top. They might be the best-rated um, defensive secondary from defensive EPA or secondary EPA. Oh, so they've been pretty good then. Yeah, yeah. Now, now Denzel's been up and down because he had a concussion. You know, MJ Emerson's incredibly physical. He's still a rookie. Greg Newsom slid inside of the slot. So, like, there have been some moments where they have been able to be uh, carved up, but a lot of their issues early in the season, Grant, these guys just didn't play together. Like, there were there was a game, uh, I think it was the Jets game, where they blew the game. They had, like, a 13-point lead with two minutes left, and they blew the game and lost the game, um, which my cardiologist is still pissed about because that was the <laughs> moment my heart just about exploded. But uh, all I saw was finger-pointing and MFing each other, and they've gotten better at that. They have, I, I think they've come a long way in terms of communication and working together. Um, so yeah, the one thing I would say is don't go ahead and feel the need to sit back and throw 40 times, right? Because Carson Wentz giveth and Carson Wentz taketh away it. And if you give this secondary a chance, they'll, they'll go ahead and take it. And if you give Miles Garrett enough chances, Miles Garrett will get after. He's having a very good season. Miles in and of himself can change the game. So run the ball and Cleveland's too dumb to go ahead and adjust to that. You're a couple of sack fumbles from Garrett away from being in big, big trouble anytime you play the Browns, almost regardless of what's going on with the rest of the roster. All right, so, Nick, let me leave you here then. Uh, let me get a prediction. Like, what's your gut feel? Do they hang in the game? Is it tight? What, what do you see? Um, so the weather does favor uh, Deshaun Watson because I feel like we could see a significant jump from this week. But, man, I just they just got eliminated from the playoffs. They stank ass against uh, the Saints. It was just embarrassing. Every time I've said they were going to lose after a loss like that, though, they've come back and won. So I would say the Wentz thing is also a great, like, I don't know about it. But I'll, I'll say this. I think Washington will win. Um, let's go 27-24. I think this is going to be a higher-scoring game than we give credit for. Um, but ine- inevitably – all the Deshaun Watson isn't going to be enough for the Browns to win because that that defense is just so damn good in Washington. They are really good. I love the, the pick. Tight game will be fun. And the over there, you know, higher than I would have anticipated. So I dig it. But you see why I like talking ball with Nick Wilson. Thank you, buddy. you got a radio show to do. We appreciate the time and love the insight. You're the man. Thanks. 
Grant, this felt therapeutic. I can go out and live my life normally again because I've gotten some of the Browns rage out of my system. I appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> Anytime you need to vent, you got a friend in me because I can do the exact same thing sitting on your couch. You know how that goes. Appreciate you. Oh, it's good. Now it's every day from now on. Be good, buddy. Nick Wilson on the Browns from Cleveland. You're listening to Grant and Danny on the fan. Next, the Hogs, right? We're revealing a new mascot. The Commanders are set to unveil a Hog mascot. Are you excited? Is this good? Is this bad? Do you not care? We'll discuss it on G&D right here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.